Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong and joining us remotely today from the coast is Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Uh, Jason, I'm doing fine. I'm glad uh, you're feeling better for those who uh, are unaware. Uh, Last week, uh, Jason and his family were suffering uh, through COVID and recovering from COVID, if you will. So uh, it looks like uh, Jason is back 100% today, so I'm glad to see that. It's it's good to be back in the studio with you and not uh, huddled on on the couch trying to avoid spreading germs to other people. You know, this is supposed to be a vacation week for for me where I get respite and recover and and get refreshed and all that good stuff and about all I've been able to do is is uh, try to finish up what I should have completed <laughs> last week. Uh, <laughs> and here we are this morning. Of course, this is a, a real joy for me. I always enjoy uh, uh, talking. I mean, it's more like we have a conversation, Jason, than it is anything else. And this is always nice. Well, Bill, let's get into the topic at hand today. And, you know, I know from doing this program that uh, usually the biggest asset that we own is our retirement account. But I'm sure if you ask people, the, the first two items that would pop into their head might be their home and their vehicle. Uh, well, uh, when it comes to um, our assets, for sure, uh, our home should be one of the top <laughs> top things uh, that we have. You know, it's. I think it's. Uh, you know, in times past, it was always our home that was our most important, not just our biggest, but our most important asset, and. While it may not be our biggest asset anymore, uh, at least for some of us, because retirement accounts uh, for some people uh, surpass the value of our homes by a good bit at times. But regardless of how large our retirement account might be, our home is still uh, typically our most important uh, asset, assuming that we own a home. <laughs> But, it, you know, there's a, a lot to be to, to talk about when it comes to our home, because whether we have a big home, a small home or one in the country or one in the city or it doesn't matter where it is, uh, it's important to us. Uh, it's important for our lifestyle. Uh, it's important to have a safe place to live. Uh, our homes are, are uh, um, I mean, we have to have shelter. And of course, some people are, um, uh, you, you know, one of the things about the, the, the younger generation is it's, it's uh, because of student loans and, and other reasons, it's uh, become more difficult for them to purchase a home, to have the credit available to them and that sort of thing. So there's an awful lot of apartment dwelling. And there are some advisors out there that say that's the best way to go. Uh, And I would totally disagree with that (laughs) because I I do believe that our homes make a wonderful long-term investment uh, for those of us who, who can afford it. And Quite frankly, it's times like right now that we can appreciate uh, the fact that once we buy a home, 
we have a, a very stable investment. In, in other words, it, 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 uh, the, the cost may creep up, you know, as taxes and insurance uh, goes up, but the cost of the house itself remains stable. Uh, I mean, unless we go out and refinance it. <laughs> but, but the fact is, is that our home is an inflation fighter. It, it, you know, for those who suffer uh, paying rent, obviously, uh, what have we seen the last couple of years? You tell us, Jason, what's happened to rents in the last couple of years? Oh, they've gone sky high. They really have. And, and, um, and, and, and quite frankly, um, landlords do have the advantage because every year, most landlords do, in fact, raise our uh, raise rents. And so, um, it, you know, when when you're in a, a situation with inflation, uh, rents are going to go up. And, you, and for those who don't own a home, they, you can't do a darn thing about it except for set aside more money. Uh, which uh, some folks don't have to pay more rent. And it's, um, and of course, those folks who have invested in a home long term, guess what? Eventually our homes get paid off. And at that point, it uh, hopefully by retirement age, our home is paid off. And what does that do for us? Well, obviously it makes our limited income go a whole lot further um and and that's you know that's one of the reasons why uh home ownership is so important and it's also one of the reasons why i stand firm when financial advisors say oh keep that low rate mortgage and let me invest all your money don't pay off that mortgage uh and i'm i'm would be screaming the other way i say no 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 you know if if you're nearing retirement age uh one of the key uh, ingredients of a really good retirement is to have your home paid off, uh, you know, because obviously when you retire, you're, for most of us, our income drops considerably and we are on a limited income. Well, guess what? When your house remains stable in terms of the cost and it's paid off and all we have to worry about is taxes, insurance and upkeep, Boy, that sure does make a dollar go farther. <laughs> makes makes a whole lot. Well, anyway, I got off. So I really do want to talk about our home and how we own it. Uh, asset protection as it relates uh, to our home in North Carolina, because a lot of folks may not realize that how our home might be protected uh, or the advantages or disadvantages we have in home ownership. Uh, may be a quite different from one state to another state. Uh, and in North Carolina, uh, for those of us who are married uh, and we buy our home uh, while we're married, uh, it's a pretty uh, strong given that we will own our home as what's called tenants by the entirety. Now, what that actually means for most of us is that um, that it's joint with right of survivor. It's it, tenants by the entirety is more than that because it's also a, a title which comes with some asset 
protection. Um, it's not perfect asset protection for sure, but what it basically means is that if there's a judgment creditor out there uh, and the judgment creditor only gets a judgment against one spouse and not both spouses, then the home is absolutely protected. You cannot attach or levy against a home that's owned by a husband and wife when you only have a judgment against one and not both. And that's a very, very important concept. And it's one that's used in a number of states, but not all states. Um, now, the bad news is that in North Carolina, we have a fairly weak homestead exemption. Now, homestead exemption basically means that um, that you get to keep part of the equity if a creditor uh, can actually levy against your your home, um, and and that's an important concept. But our homestead exemption in North Carolina is very very low compared to some other states. But some states use, and Florida's a good example use a very strong homestead exemption, but they don't have tenants by the entireties. They don't have those rules. They have different kinds of rules. Now, you can't flee to Florida when somebody's suing you. That, that doesn't work uh, because in order to enjoy the homestead exemption in Florida, you have to live there for a couple years as, as a resident. Uh, in your home there as your primary residence uh, in order to get the protection of Florida law. Um, now, that's not necessarily true in North Carolina. As soon as you buy your house as husband and wife in North Carolina, you, you do have the tenants by the entirety protection. So that it, it uh, can be extremely helpful. Now, there are... Um, some well, I guess uh, I guess there's so much to talk about, Jason, as it relates to our homes. I guess I should let you take us uh, take us to a break, and then when we come back, I want to talk about other ways to own your home uh, and um, uh, uh, exemptions in selling our homes and other things uh, along those lines. Excellent. Well, we will get to that. We are going to take a quick break here. Don't forget, if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, maybe you want to get some documents in order or have your documents that you've had done in the past reviewed. Maybe it's been some time since you've done that. Schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill and his team. You can also find information related to his free monthly webinars. Bill does this the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars are happening on Wednesday, September 14th. If you would like to learn more about the subjects of long-term care assistance, dealing with Medicaid and veterans benefits, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you. Bill also has another webinar that he does in the afternoon related to a lot of what we're talking about today, asset protection, and he also gets into trust planning as well. Again, these are free webinars that you can attend from the comfort of your own home. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more. WGALaw.com. Just click on the seminars button at the top of the page. 
We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be back after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander joining us via Zoom today. He's, uh, I guess, on the tail end of a week off here at the coast. So, uh, Bill, we're glad that you're getting some time off and it's back to the real world on Monday, Bill. So get get ready for that. Uh, but we're having a conversation today about uh, assets and in particular our homes and Bill, just before the break, you were talking about, uh, you know, we're going to get into a discussion here on other ways that we own our home and also when it, what we need to worry about when it comes to exemptions. Well, the first thing is this. If, if we're purchasing our home and we are married, then it's a no-brainer that our home should go in both names. Now, in almost every case, we're borrowing money uh, in order to, you know, finance the, the purchase of the home. And when you borrow money, uh, the lender is going to require both signatures, husband and wife, on any loan because you can't foreclose unless you have both signatures on the loan documents. Now, that does not mean that the home must be in both names. There are some attorneys that think that, and that's not true, but the loan documents and the deed of trust which secures the loan must have both signatures on it um, and and that of course is an important uh, concept for uh, folks to understand um, now uh, it, the thing about it is like, there are some uh, they, they tend to be professionals like doctors and dentists and the like who uh, think that because of the risk that they have in their practice, uh, that it's better that the home be owned solely by the non-professional spouse. Now, is that okay? Yes. Does it offer some uh, protection? Uh, Well, it, it offers protection from mistakes of the professional, but it has greater risk when it comes to mistakes made by the non-professional spouse. And of course, generally, those kind of risks are going to be primarily risks that involve your automobile. And we're going to talk about your automobile later. But uh, the the thing that, that probably is the most important thing to know is that uh, because uh, it does the ownership by one spouse mean that the when it if it comes to a divorce between husband and wife, does the ownership give the owner a leg up on the non-owner? And the answer in North Carolina is not really. <laughs> Why? Because if you purchase a home during the marriage it will be what's called marital property for divorce purposes. And it doesn't matter whether the house is in one name, both names, or or not. 
it, it basically, if it's purchased during the marriage, it's going to be marital property. Uh, now, I, I also think it's important uh, to uh, understand how it might work. Because um, unfortunately, divorce uh, percentages are high. And from my own experience, I would say that is the most likely problem that people have with creditors. They're, you know, the creditor is their spouse <laughs> in a divorce proceeding. And it's sad to say, but that that's just part part of it. So now I'll use my son, uh, George Alexander, uh, who I'm very proud of. He's a financial advisor with Edward Jones here in Raleigh doing a great job, uh, and he purchased a home here in Raleigh before he got married. So is that marital or non-marital? Well, the fact is it started out as a non-marital home, and then a year later he got married. Okay, so does that convert it into a marital home? And the answer is no, not unless he conveys the house to his, you know, to himself and his wife together, which some people do. He has not done that yet. It won't surprise me if he does it, but it's like, but, but here's the thing, you know, yes, as a young man, he borrowed money to uh, secure the home. Well, I mean, we all do that. <laughs> all right. So every month he pays um, his mortgage payment. So guess what? Once he got married, what he earns is what? Marital property. Everything you uh, earn, everything you purchase, everything you acquire during the marriage, for the most part, with, with a couple of exceptions, will be marital property. So what it boils down to is every month that he pays mortgage payment, he pays it with marital property. So the bottom line is, is that each month the home becomes more marital property. <laughs> it, so it's a combination of non-marital property and marital property that has to be figured out by the divorce lawyers. Hopefully that'll never happen to him, but you know, it, it's kind of thing where it happens to a lot of folks. And so that that's where the family lawyers uh, make their money, if you will, uh, figuring out what's marital, what's non-marital and how, how is it to be divided equitably. But, but that uh, is important for folks uh, to understand. Um, now, uh, so the bottom line is what's non-marital? Well, generally speaking, property that you bring into the marriage is non-marital. In other words, if you own it outright at the time you get married, then that property stays non-marital. And property that you inherit is non-marital property as long as you keep it separate from marital property. If you commingle it, then it becomes marital property. So lots of things to watch out for when it comes to that, and particularly as it relates to your home. But okay, so let's go to the next step. What about if you sell your home? Now, I'm, I'm, when I'm talking here, I am only referring to our 
primary residence. You know, most of us have one home. <laughs> there are those who are very fortunate and have uh, a second home, uh, but most of us do have the one home and that's our primary residence. Now, when we sell, the tax laws uh, changed a number of years ago. And uh, so I wanted to mention how that works when we sell our house. Do we have to pay income tax on the gain in our home when we sell it? Well, the, the fact is, is that in almost every case, the answer is no. And it's because of what's called the 121 exemption. And that is that a married couple has a $500,000 exemption over and above our cost basis uh, to uh, basically not have to pay income tax on the gain from uh, the sale of our primary residence. Now, yes, we do have to live in our primary residence at least two years out of the past five years for that exemption to hold true. Uh, and of course we have to be married uh, in order to have the $500,000 exemption. Now, if the house uh, is in one name or the house is um, uh, owned by a single person, uh, that exemption is $250,000. And so uh, one thing, I, 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 and this is real exciting for me, I, I, I love to learn. And this past week, I had the pleasure of uh, uh, having a client meeting with an engineer. I love my engineers. Uh, and he was well informed. And he taught me about that there is an exception to the, the $500,000 rule. So I wanted to share this with folks because when I learn things that are important to me, it generally is important to other people too. And that is that, uh, that uh, when if you lose your spouse, in other words, you're a widow or widower, you actually, and, and you otherwise, or uh, while your spouse was living, you were entitled to the $500,000 exemption. Under the law, the exception is it gives you an extra two years to sell your home with the $500,000 exemption. Now, if you don't use it within two years of the death of your spouse, then you, you go back to the $250,000 exemption. But I was not aware that you actually have two years in order to uh, utilize the, the $500,000 exemption. And I think that's wonderful because basically that helps a great deal if we're interested in moving when we lose our spouse. And, you know, not everybody wants to move. That's for darn sure. Most of us want to stay put. But there are a lot of folks that when they lose their spouse, they want to move to where the grandchildren live or they want to to move into a more suitable abode or they want to lose, you know, that those kind of things. So everybody has different reasons for, for staying put or moving on. But that two year rule is an important rule for us to to at least remember. I like that. It's always great to learn something new and it's always good to have some 
uh, insight that you can pass on to your clients, Bill. And if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website, WGALaw.com. From there, as I said, you can schedule an appointment. You can also find information about Bill's free webinars. If you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, as well as long-term care assistance, financial assistance that could be available to you, whether it's through Medicaid or VA benefits dealing with the costs of long-term care. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to learn more about some very complicated subjects and learn more for free and put it in a way that's easy to understand. If you've spent any time listening to this program, you know Bill has a true gift for that. So again, WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill and to register for the free webinars happening on Wednesday, September 14th, Wednesday, September 14th, WGALaw.com. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong with Bill Alexander. He's joining us via Zoom today from the coast. And Bill, we're having a discussion all related right now to our homes. And we've gone over a lot so far. We've gone over uh, ownership and different ways to own our home as well as exemptions. What else do we need to know about our homes, Bill? Well, you know, none of us uh, want to pay Uncle Sam more than we need to pay. <laughs> you know, I know uh, from my own perspective, to be able to save on taxes is asset protection. The less we give the government, uh, the more we keep in our pocket. That's that's good asset protection planning. So tax planning is important as it relates. Uh, now, with that said, I would also be one to say that sometimes being fearful of paying uh, taxes is disadvantageous. Um, in other words, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Sometimes it's more important to sell a piece of property, pay the tax and move on than to keep a piece of property and not pay the tax. Um, uh, and I mean, anybody, for instance, and I'll give you a great example in this area who held on to Wachovia stock back in the day, um, you know, because at one time the, the Wachovia stock was a great bank and their stock was about $150 a share or more. Uh, but and people did not want to sell it. Why? Because they'd have to pay that capital gains tax. And so they wanted to hold on to it. Well, the folks who held on to it too long ended up uh, where, you know, first Union bought it out, and then they changed First Union's name to Wachovia, and then they went out of business. Well, in essence, Wells Fargo bought them out at a little over $6 a share. So those folks who hung on to that piece, prop, you know, to that Wachovia stock, they lost their shirt. Uh, and that's why I say that sometimes you need to go ahead and sell and pay the tax. And the same thing can be true with any investment, and that includes real estate. But 
the other thing that I've, I've been trying to talk about more recently, and it's it's more difficult for seniors because we grew up with tax laws being one way and retirement accounts being one way. But the fact is, is that the tax laws have changed an awful lot and retirement uh, account laws has changed a lot. And hence, we got to have new ways of thinking as it relates to our retirement accounts and also even to real estate, because real estate used to be a wonderful way to uh, get deductions. We not only got to borrow money to um, to buy the home, in other words, with a leveraged kind of thing where we could put a little bit of money down and borrow the rest, that's, that's the leverage. Uh, and it was secure uh, because uh, how often does real estate values go down? You know, real estate values tend to go up uh, every year to some degree. And so it was a safe investment, a leveraged investment, and it was a tax advantaged investment, uh, which which spoke loudly to many of us. Now, the thing about it is for most young people today, the tax advantage has gone away. Why? Because the way the standard deduction works, a married couple generally gets over $28,000 in standard deduction. Our uh, state and local income, our state and local tax, which is part of the tax advantage for real estate, has been capped at $10,000. So most young people uh, still use the standard deduction whether they own a house or not because uh, they don't have enough to itemize that goes over the top as it relates to more than the standard deduction. So while there are a few people out there who itemize and can utilize that deduction, most people don't anymore. So that's but the point is, okay, the tax advantage has gone away to, for most people. However, the leverage and the safe investment piece and the home ownership over a long period of time that can, can be a fantastic situation for folks, all those remain the same uh, for folks. And so it's still a very wise investment for most people uh, to make. Um, so, and then of course, over the long term, uh, guess what? Your home is an inflation fighter. And so, like in times like this, we don't have to worry about rent going up if we own our home. Uh, one of the best things you can do for a retired person is to own your own home. Uh, and and it, it makes a huge difference for most people in retirement. So, um, now, with that, uh, it is still, like I said, it's it, 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 you have to keep it up. There are expenses with it, but is it worth the expense? You better believe it. <laughs> so with that, okay, so now what do I want to move? I want to move on to motor vehicles because while that ain't much of an investment, it is still important to us. You know, uh, we love our cars. We love our trucks. And so it's an important asset to us, even though it's a very lousy investment. 
<laughs> so I know we need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about our vehicles and how that works in terms of asset protection and ownership and the like. Yep. This is a really big topic and a really important consideration for asset protection. So make sure you stick around for this discussion. Don't forget, go to WGALaw.com if you want to learn more information about Bill, schedule an appointment to see him, or if you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars, WGALaw.com is the best place to go. You can find plenty of information there. Click on the seminars button if you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars. Bill puts these on the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, September 14th. If you want to learn more about Medicaid and VA benefits and the ability to be able to pay for long-term care, get assistance for you there, go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Also, if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, Bill has a webinar dedicated to that as well. Again, these are free to attend. It's free to register. There's no cost to you. You just get to uh, sit down and enjoy some pearls of wisdom from Bill. It's a wonderful free educational opportunity for you. Go to WGALaw.com. Dot com. Click on the seminars button to learn more. A quick break and back with more on your automobiles. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's where you can go to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or learn more about Bill's free webinars. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill's joining us via Zoom today as he's on the tail end of a week of vacation at the coast. And Bill, we've spent a lot of time discussing our homes, but now I know you want to shift our focus here to our automobiles. Yeah, no question. And and unlike our homes, which are investments, uh, they are meaningful investments to us. Our vehicles are not investments, not in the same way. They they don't generally gain value over time. Uh, and so, uh, but they do provide us with needed transportation, uh, particularly in North Carolina. It's a necessity, uh, but just the way we live as Americans, uh, it, you pretty much need a vehicle. Uh, but more importantly, um, cars and trucks are items that are important to us. We love them. Uh, and uh, it's part of a lifestyle, if, if you will. Uh, and, and it is for so many people. Um, now, it, you know, for me, I'm okay with, with driving an, a much older vehicle. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a cheapskate when it comes to that. Uh, but uh, that's because I recognize it for what it is. But, you know, for so many folks, it, it is an important part of their lifestyle. And I'm a, a fan of that. And, and, and what I mean is it's important that we enjoy life. It's important 
that we spend our money uh, on ourselves, our family, on trips, our bucket list, uh, being with the uh, folks uh, that we love and they're important to us and that we create memories. And uh, part, part of that can be uh, our vehicles and, and how we use them and what we use them for and those kinds of things. So enjoying life is an important part uh, of what we should be doing in terms of, of uh, our lifestyle and the like. But with that said, there's no question that a motor vehicle loses its value fairly quickly. I mean, ask anybody when they drive their new vehicle off the lot, if it's worth what they paid for it. <laughs> the answer is no, it loses a lot of value the moment it goes off that lot. Uh, it's also a high liability uh, um, uh, asset because it can get us in trouble real fast in terms of uh, uh, of our, uh, our own potential liability. And that's one reason why uh, good liability insurance is so important. Anyone who's heard me talk about asset protection has heard me say that liability insurance is the foundation. It is the cornerstone of any asset protection plan. But before we get into that, it's important to know how we should own our vehicles in North Carolina. And I say in North Carolina because North Carolina law is somewhat unique compared to other states. And in North Carolina, the way to own our vehicles is for the primary driver of the car or truck to own the vehicle solely, not jointly. You know, so many car dealers automatically, if you have a married couple, will assume that you want your title in both names held jointly. And I would say this, if you insist on having your vehicle owned jointly, then make sure you, the new titles have a block that allow you to check with rights of survivorship. And I would tell you that if you're going to own it jointly, check the new block <laughs> because that will help you uh, in the future. But now, does it matter when it comes to marital property versus non-marital? No, if you're married, it's going to be marital property regardless of whose name is it, it's in. Does it matter with your insurance company? Absolutely not. If you have three or four vehicles and each vehicle is in husband or wife's name, guess what? It can still be under the same policy with the insurance company with the multi-car discount. They don't care whether it's one name or both names. So that's really important for folks to understand too. But you ask, okay, why should it be in one name and not both names? Well, it helps two ways in North Carolina. Number one is the fact that if only one person owns the car and the primary driver is responsible for an accident where another vehicle has been damaged or and or a person injured, guess what? Then both people cannot be sued if the primary driver is also the sole owner of the vehicle. Well, is that important to your home? 
Yes. Remember that the creditor can't get a judgment against your home if they only have a, a judgment against one party and not both. So in North Carolina, that can be real important. The other reason that's just as important, uh, and, and now here's the thing, lawyers tend to sue everybody they can sue if there's liability. So if there's a co-owner of the vehicle, the likelihood is that both owners are going to be sued if there's a lawsuit. And so whether, you know, obviously both people can't be driving at the same time, but you know what? There's an old North Carolina Court of Appeals case that says a co-owner actually controls your driving if they're in the car with you because sure your wife tells you to slow down your wife tells you to do this you're you know talk about a backseat driver the court acknowledges that in north carolina they're controlling your driving can you believe it well the fact is is that's the law in north carolina so guess what the lawyers get to sue both of you if you <laughs> under those circumstances but if your spouse is not a co-owner that law doesn't apply to you. So that's important. The other reason it, that's so important is this. If, if, you're, if you run into the tree and the only person who is injured is your spouse, if your spouse co-owns the vehicle, then the spouse, your spouse cannot sue you under your own insurance policy and collect for his or her damages. However, if your spouse is not a co-owner of the vehicle and you run into that tree, your spouse actually can collect for injuries under that insur insurance policy that you have. So that is a really, really important concept. Now, does that kind of rule apply in other states? No, North Carolina is unique. So get your vehicles out of both names, put it in the name of the primary driver, and you're, uh, you went on two counts when it comes to ownership in North Carolina. Now, with that said, the other thing that's so important in North Carolina is liability insurance. And there, it, it, I'll tell folks that you not only need maximum coverage, and that's 500, 500, that's $500,000 of protection, you also need, for most well-to-do families, $2 million of uh, umbrella coverage of, over all of your vehicles. I think that's really important. Now, the minimum coverage that we should have is probably 300-300, and you can have umbrella coverage with 300-300. So, all important. So, uh, now, with, with that said, I know we have to take a break, and I want to come back to this issue just for a moment. We'll do just that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back after this. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, before we head out today, I know that you've got a, a parting shot that you want to leave here related to our automobiles and insurance. Yeah, well, with your insurance, you need to max out your uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage, and you can only max out what your liability coverage is. So if you have 500, 500, you can have 500, 500 underinsured and uninsured motorists. And the fact is, is most of the drivers out there have minimum coverage, which is not enough to protect us if some crazy person runs into us and injures us. Our underinsured and uninsured motorist coverage may be the most important part of our policy because there are a lot of other bad drivers out there who are underinsured and uninsured. It's a part of your policy that you hope you never have to use, but in the event that you do, you really want it to be there. That's great advice from Bill. Don't forget, go to WGALaw.com if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or if you want to learn more about Bill's free webinars dealing with the subjects of long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. Those are happening on Wednesday, September 14th. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. Or you can call 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.